Jesus wasn't white. <laughs> and he didn't speak English. And he was Jewish. And he's very different than me. Whew. So here I am, sitting among the ruins of Caesarea. Uh, if you don't know the story, Caesarea is a famous city that Herod the Great, uh, the king who tried to kill Jesus, built right on the Mediterranean coast. And so many things in the book of Acts happen right here in this spot. And today I want to tell you one of my favorites. But before I tell you the story, let me tell you why it's my favorite. Because Jesus wasn't white. <laughs> and he didn't speak English. And he was Jewish. And he's very different than me. <laughs> it's crazy for us to think about today, but in the first century, one of the biggest arguments that the church had was if God actually loved people who weren't Jewish. If you weren't like Jesus and Mary and Joseph, like Peter and James and John, would God still love you? Would he still forgive you? What Jesus did on the cross, does that come for you too? And it was here at this city of Caesarea that God answered that powerfully once and for all. Here's a little bit of the story from Acts chapter 10. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So he's a Roman soldier. He's not a Jewish man, and he lives here. And so God orchestrates this incredible conversation where he brings the Apostle Peter right to this place. I mean, who knows exactly where it happened? Somewhere right here. And he forces Peter to see, as he pours out the Holy Spirit, that God's love cannot be contained. Now, many of us love the passage that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And here God proved that to be true. Cornelius believed the gospel. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all of his household. And even the Apostle Peter, a Jewish man, recognized it with these words. Acts 10.34, Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Now, if you're Jewish and you believe in Jesus, maybe you didn't need to hear that news today. But if you're like many of us, that is shocking good news, huh? You don't have to be from this place. You don't have to be from Abraham's family tree. It doesn't matter your race, your language, your native tongue. It doesn't matter where your parents were born, where you were born. None of those things have to get in the way of the best news in all of creation, that there is a God and he loves and accepts us through faith in his son, Jesus. Now, 2,000 years later, that might not be shocking news to us, but in this city, God broke open the news. He flung open the doors and he let the world know that his love could not be contained. It was for everyone who does what is right and trusts in Jesus. That is a powerful message from the city of Caesarea. It just reminds me that when Jesus lived, there was just as much tension. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were at each other's throats. The Zealots and the Herodians would literally kill each other. Religion, politics, so many things makes people so passionate and so divided. I'm standing here today on the Mount of Olives and I'm thinking about people, really different kinds of people. I mean, behind me, you can see really powerful, passionate symbols of different religions and beliefs that exist here in this world. I mean, directly behind me and all around me are 150,000 Jewish graves 
put on the Mount of Olives so that Jewish bodies could be raised when the Messiah returns. That's what they believe. Behind me, you can see the Golden Dome. That's the Dome of the Rocket, very famous Muslim holy site. It's where really different beliefs are practiced, where a different kind of God is believed in. And in fact, the conflict between the Muslim people and the Jewish people has been so intense historically that there's something interesting over here on these walls. Where those two arches are was the ancient Eastern Gate. Many Jewish people believe when the Messiah came back, he would pass through that gate and go up to the temple. So, do you know what the Muslims did in that time? They bricked it up. <laughs> they dared the Jewish Messiah to come on through. And then, in front of it, they planted hundreds, maybe thousands of their own graves so that the dead bodies would make the resurrected Jews unclean. It just reminds me that when Jesus lived, there was just as much tension. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were at each other's throats. The Zealots and the Herodians would literally kill each other. Religion, politics, so many things makes people so passionate and so divided. And into a world like that, Jesus spoke these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, Jesus was so radically exclusive and so incredibly inclusive. He said that to have eternal life, you have to believe in him as the Messiah, the Lord, the crucified and risen Son of God. And yet, what did he say? That that love, that Savior was for the world. For Jewish people, Muslim people, Palestinian people, guys of German and Czech descent, 6'2 Caucasian guys, Hmong people, Mexican people, all people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how you grew up, what you believed. You can turn to Jesus and find eternal life. I know that message will still divide us, just as Jesus was divisive. But this place reminds me that the divisions we see in religions, philosophies, and people, they're, they're not new. And yet, there's still this amazing God who loves the world so much that he has waited, he's waited for people to repent and believe in Jesus. I hope you do, so that when the Messiah does return, when the dead are raised, you can see his smiling face and live with him forever. That's a powerful message that we learn right here on the Mount of Olives. You know, sometimes church would be easier if we were all the same. We all like the same music, the same style of preaching, the same budget, the same vision, the same direction, the same values, but that's just not how the church is. I'm standing here in front of the ancient synagogue of Magdala. This is the home of Mary Magdalene, a place in Galilee where Jesus certainly was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago. And as I'm walking around these ancient stones, it it strikes me what God says about his church and his people. If you ever gone to church, have you noticed that people are kind of different? <laughs> and I mean different in a lot of ways. <laughs> they you know, different genders, different ages, different races, different personalities, different gifts, different weaknesses, different senses of humor, different political views, different struggles. And yet, what happens when we gather in church? All these different kinds of people come together and there Jesus shows up. And I'm thinking of the synagogue that they built in Magdala and I'm looking at all these stones and you can see not, the stones aren't all the same. They're not like mass-produced bricks that are all the exact same height and width. Instead, they're stones of different shapes and sizes, yet they're built together 
And 2,000 years ago, Jesus showed up among these stones. Yeah, that simple fact makes me think of Ephesians chapter 2, where we find these words. In Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit brings people together like this building. Different stones were not all the same, and yet there God lives. He is present among us as we worship. He's working in the hearts of the people who sit to your left and right as you worship in church. And that's such a great reminder for us. You know, sometimes church would be easier if we were all the same. We all like the same music, the same style of preaching, the same budget, the same vision, the same direction, the same values, but that's just not how the church is. That's not how people work. But when you see people in your church that are different than you, I want you to remember these words, that God lives in them too. He's brought them to faith, which is a beautiful thing. He's inspired them to come to church and worship, which is a beautiful thing. And he brings them into your presence so you can love them too, which is a beautiful thing. So when you see people that are a little bit different, or you feel a little bit different in your church, remember these stones. So different, and yet they had this one thing in common. As they were joined together, they all got to overhear the beautiful news from the lips of Jesus himself. <laughs> That's another incredible message we learned right here at Magdala. Jesus said the whole reason he came was to be the friends of people like that. Matthew, prostitutes, rejects, black sheep of the family. He didn't come into the world to call perfect, righteous, just fine people, but those who were so broken. Are you a sinner? Me too. Do you have any friends? Me too, I, I think. <laughs> but it, if you're a sinner and you have friends, do you know who calls himself your friend? Jesus. I'm standing here in the town of Capernaum where Jesus lived during his three-year ministry. I'm standing in the ancient synagogue and right through that window behind me are the old black stoned homes that date back to the days of Jesus. And it was in these homes that a man lived that you might have heard of. His name was Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector right here in Capernaum until one day Jesus came to town and something incredible happened. Matthew, a notorious sinner in this place, a sellout to the Roman government, became the friend of the Son of God. <laughs> Listen how Mark chapter 2 tells it. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, that's Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus said the whole reason he came was to be the friends of people like that. Matthew, prostitutes, rejects, black sheep of the family. He didn't come into the world to call perfect, righteous, just fine people, but those who were so broken that they knew they had no hope of heaven without him. And as I look around at these ancient ruins, 
I wonder where Matthew lived. I wonder where his tax collector friends gathered with Jesus for that meal. I wonder how the rumors spread from house to house and they heard about a rabbi who would teach with authority, who, who came from God, who was willing not just to be with them, but to call them his friend. And it makes me so grateful for the gospel. In my life, I've, I've done some stuff I really regret. And even after almost 40 years of following Jesus, I, I still do. I, I know that I'm not righteous on my own. And maybe you feel the same way. But if so, remember the lesson of Capernaum. Here's the place where Jesus proved that sin doesn't get in the way of his friendship. He overcomes it with his love. He calls people by name who deserve it the least and he says, follow me, and you can too. So, if you're a sinner, don't panic. We believe in a Jesus who is the friend of people just like that. And that's the gorgeous message of the gospel that we learn right here in Capernaum. God isn't looking just for the best and the brightest, the smartest and the strongest. He simply picks people who don't deserve it. I'm standing here in beautiful Nazareth. Uh, it's an amazing day in Israel and this is an amazing place. Uh, just behind me is a massive basilica called the Basilica of the Annunciation. And many people believe this is the place where the angel Gabriel showed up and spoke to Mary, announced the good news that the Savior of the world would be born through her. Now, Nazareth is a huge city today. Tens of thousands of people fill it. But back in the day, 2,000 years ago, it was very, very different. In fact, you might know the story from the Gospels. When someone heard that Jesus of Nazareth might be the Messiah, the response was, Nazareth? <laughs> Can anything good come from there? Nazareth was such a, a dinky village and place that no one could fathom that something that good could come from a place so small. But I actually love that fact about the story of Jesus. I love the fact that he didn't come from riches or a famous family. He wasn't born in a palace. His birth wasn't announced in the holy city of Jerusalem. Instead, it happened here in this little place. Because that simple fact makes me think of this powerful passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. Here's what it says. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise, not many influential, not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world. God chose the weak things of the world. God chose the lowly things, the despised things, the things that are not, so that no one may boast before him. No, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. Now, what happened in Nazareth is this great reminder that God isn't looking just for the best and the brightest, the smartest and the strongest. He simply picks people who don't deserve it. Like Mary, where he announced the good news. And he announces that same good news to you. That through Jesus of Nazareth, there is forgiveness. And there is hope. There is eternal life. There is a place at the table in the family of God. It reminds me of this great story that C.S. Lewis told in his book, The Great Divorce. In it, the main character sees this little glimpse of heaven and this massive procession comes up with this woman who looked like a queen who had servants and this chariot and this horse. And the guy asked, who's that? Like, she must be famous, important. But then the angel told her the truth. She was just a regular person on earth. Someone who had trust in Jesus, someone who humbly served. But God exalts the humble. He did it with her, he did it with lowly Mary, and he does it with us. So remember the status that you have through faith in Jesus. 
that you might not be smart or noble, influential, but through him, you are righteous, holy, redeemed, perfect, a child of the King of Kings, a brother of the Lord of Lords. Let's celebrate the good news of Nazareth that God exalts the humble and gives pure grace to those who don't deserve it. Earlier this year, I got to explore Israel. I'm sitting literally in the place where Jesus' feet touched. I saw some amazing places. The old city of Jerusalem, the Garden of Gethsemane, beautiful Nazareth, and the Mount of Beatitudes, Capernaum on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And I can't wait to share these video devotions with you. We're so grateful that you listened to this podcast and we would love for more people to listen to it too. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing this podcast, you can help this message to reach more hearts, more souls, so that more people can be satisfied by the love of God. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you soon.